So today the match, Torino Atalanta, today's uh, little paper roundup. We'll play a little game and see between Cairo's Gazeta and Tutor Sport who's going to be more accurate on the team lineup for later. But anyway, Gazeta has um, Il Romanzo di Torino Atalanta. Um, no schematic tonight, Rob. He's out for the rest of 2024. Vanya's uh, going back into goal, and both papers going big on the uh, Duvan Zapata. Yeah, he's going to do the business tonight, apparently. But so for Gazeta, we've got uh, Milikovic, Savicin, goal. Tamezi, Bonjourno, Rodriguez, Belanova, Vlasic, Linetti, Ilic, Vojvoda, Slavrin, Zapata. So we'll see how, how true that one is. Um, and Atalanta look like they're playing with a false nine uh, tonight. And then you've got uh, Tuto Sport again going big on the Zapata angle. Um, and here it says Sporky, Matre Punti. So it's going to be ugly, but we're going to get the three points. Um, so having not prepared this, Tuto Sport have gone for exactly the same team <laughs> as, as Gazeta, so they're both wrong. Um, and the other story. Um, before the match is Radonjic and Juric have had another big bust up and well, at least Tuta Sport are predicting that Radonjic will be leaving us in January and I've just seen some headlines here Genoa interested in Pellegrini and Torino looking at an ex-Southampton player for Robert uh, Breuer from Chelsea as uh, a possible January signing I'm not sure I believe that one and then uh, one banner was left at the Philadelphia last night uh, for Toro's birthday. Say la mia vita, say la mia fede, auguri Toro, uh, for the 117th birthday of the weekend. Um, so Rob and I will, yeah, we're ready for the match and let's see if these uh, two fine uh, bastions of literature are right um, when we get to the stadium this evening. Three hours to kick off, uh, heading to Bar Suite for a pre-match drink. Um, a little look at the old uh, Philadelphia Stadium, which is always a, a great thing to do when you're coming into Turin. A uh, few fans uh, around the stadium, a lot of Carabinieri. Rob, how are you feeling? Excited? Yeah, yeah, very excited. Looking forward to the game. Uh, yeah, look, confident. For- Never confident watching Torre, mate. Never confident watching Torre, but yeah, um, I think once we're in the stadium, team starting 11, I'm going to be very more, a little bit more confident. All right, yeah, Rob's, uh, Rob's been to the club shops to look at some jerseys. He's come out with a Raul Bellanova and some Wally Ritchie autographs. Um, they went in the shop. That's for my autograph. They, right? they went in the shop, but yeah, we've got, we got, we got some signed merchandise. We've got a lot of other gear uh, from, from the trip, Toro memorabilia. And uh, we'll uh, be in the stadium soon. Two hours before kickoff here in Bar Suite with Toro superfan Mesa Corcoran, who's Talking about the virtues of Vitello Tonato to uh, Robert Gilman, who's on some sort of culinary grand tour of Torino while we're here. Mesa, just gi- Mesa, give us a little prediction for tonight. Tonight, um, well, we don't score many, so I'm going to say 1-1. Who's going to score for Toro? Uh, that's a good question, because not many of them do. Um, Zapata. Big Duvan, you heard it first from the expert. We're now in the Cordova. Rob, give us the team news. Were Gazette and Tutor Sport correct? They were indeed. It turns out that Gazette might have some inside knowledge and uh, Tutor Sport for once weren't entirely useless. Uh, exactly the same team as we thought. Uh, Voivode getting the left wing back spot over Valentino Lazzaro. 
Uh, Vanya Milinkovic Savic starting in place of Luka Jamelo and Duvan Spata up front against his former team. You've got a prediction for tonight, haven't you? An additional prediction, Rob. Uh, yeah, I've got a feeling that uh, young Primavera player Zanos Sava. Uh, he's on the bench. We don't have many attacking options with Pellegrini and Radonjic falling out with Juric for the millionth time. So I think a young Cypriot will make their debut for Toro. Potentially the first Cypriot player to play for the club. You might be right there. I defer. Uh, so yeah, I think, uh, yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, he might come on. I, I can only see maybe potentially coming on if we need to chase in the game, maybe losing or drawing. But yeah, I've just got a strange feeling. Uh, I remember being here when uh, Facundo Lascano came off the bench and played for, for Toro against Milan. Uh, I think he might now be in Serie B or Serie G. Uh, so yeah, fingers crossed uh, Zava comes up and does the business. Well, the players are warming up. It's a cold night in Turin. Uh, we're about 20 minutes from kickoff. The stadium is, yeah, could do with filling up a little bit, but I think with it being a work night, a lot of fans coming in late. Atalanta have pretty much filled the... Um, first tier of the away end um, so we'll be back at, at half time and see how Tara doing Half-time, Torino Atalanta, 1-0 to Toro. The inevitable goal, Rob, from uh, Divan Zapata. Give us, a, give us a quick vibe on what you, how you think the first half went. It's probably been a poor game. Two quite poor teams, Atalanta, probably haven't shown up from the European uh, game against Sporting in midweek. Uh, I think Zapata, I think, looked bright even before the goal. Uh, took a good cross uh, from the left-hand side from Vasic. Zapata took, uh, took a touch, held off the defender and then finished with a left foot. Good finish. You said he almost missed. I think give me a little bit of credit. I think it's a very good, uh, very good finish. I'd say one of the joys of watching a match from the Stadio Olimpico is sometimes sometimes if you have... Uh, d- yeah, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't always give you the best angle, put it that way. But no, <laughs> yeah. no I think Toro were good for half an hour. I think there's a tendency to the last part of the second half sat back a little bit. Atalanta have been very... Um, very poor, low on energy. Um, look like they're kind of trying to do the minimal to get through to get through this game. Uh, obvious thing. Next, next goal crucial for me. The atmosphere is good. It's it's kind of really warming up in here. And if we can put in the same application and energy in the second half, then hopefully we can see this through. I would expect a reaction from Atalanta in the second half, especially first 15 minutes. If Toro can maybe make a bright start themselves, I think towards the end of that first half they were looking a little bit like. They're waiting for Atalanta to come on to them. They need to be on the front foot. There's, get, there's got to be some sort of reaction for Atalanta because they've been very disappointed so far. Uh, and yeah, obviously, next, next goal is crucial. If, if Toro get it, I can see Atalanta's heads go down. It's a cold December evening in Turin. Uh, it's not, not a day for making a comeback. Full-time under the Olympic Tower, Mesa and Rob. Mesa, come on, you go to every match, home and away. How is that? Uh, uh, very, very good. No complaints, can't moan. Absolutely 
happy as can be. Zapata two goals, fantastic. Rob? I've got no voice left. Probably, probably wasn't expecting uh, to celebrate three goals. Uh, did double check. I'd only ever seen Torre win three times before tonight, all by a single goal. So this uh, is this is basically my well this done. is my seven nil. Well done. <laughs> Happy days. All right, we're off to record the real pod. Talking Toro 62, it's taken longer than normal to get to the number of the pod. We thought we'd do something a little bit different uh, with our introduction. Um, We are, let's set the scene, we are in a hotel room in the centre of Turin. Um, We're pretty motivated after the 3-0 win over Atalanta to, and an excellent weekend I've got to say as well, to record this special edition pod and we thought, yeah, we would... um, we would do a, a little bit of fun content about our day heading heading to the match. Um, Rob, is that your best Torino match you've ever seen? It's probably up there. I mean, I've only seen three win- wins before. Um, this is the first time we've won by more than one goal. We did win a trophy, but Peter won't let me count the Eusebio Cup. So, uh, yeah, I've previously seen the uh, 2-1 win against Atalanta, Walter uh, Bertha scoring. Uh, and then yeah, one 0 wins against Bologna and Inter. So yeah, this is definitely the most comfortable I felt with a with a Toro victory. Yeah, we'll, we'll come on to the match in, well, in a little bit. I'm just going to say I've seen Toro twice this calendar year, and seen us beat Udinese one 0 and Atalanta three 0 So Urbano, get that season ticket in the post. But yeah, I've got. And considering Torino struggled to win home games all season, I've been I've been pretty lucky. Um, but I guess before we talk about the Atalanta match, been a pretty Epic weekend here in Turin. The weather's been generally glorious, sunny, um, very crisp and cold. But uh, we certainly had two two beautiful days. We've um, done lots of Toro stuff, um, which we'll come on to. The, I think the biggest thing in terms of Toro, we did we did our first ever talking Toro meetup, um, and yeah, we had quite a cast of characters there. We had um, well the original um, British. Um, uh, well, the original British fans we call him, but Herbie Sykes, who set up Toro Club England in the early 90s. We had super fan Mesa Corcoran. Um, we had Math from Bristol, um, regular listener, and he brought his friend Joe. Uh, we had Anthony Masari, uh, who's uh, an old friend of mine, but also a cousin of Pasquale Bruno, as a little side note. And then, uh, yeah, a couple of Italian guys on, on Mesa's side as well. So that was. Yeah, thanks everyone for coming for that, and yeah, quite a successful evening, wasn't it? Yeah, no, very nice to uh, put some faces to faces to names, and um, yeah, meet up in the centre of Turin, and uh, yeah, hopefully, if if and when we ever come back and do another uh, game, me and Peter together, we might be able to organise another uh, event like that. No, definitely, we'll try and um, yeah, we'll try and make it at least a seasonal thing. Um, but that said, we were. Um, did quite a lot of other Toro stuff. Um, if anyone's been to Turin, um, especially on a Sunday in the markets, there's a lot of memorabilia around. Um, with it being Christmas as well, um, lots of presents to get. So, yeah, my bag, I've, I've currently got a Torino Christmas sweater, um, a Torino Sabutio set from a flea market. I've got, uh, what else did I get? Two new books. 
it's a one on the history of goalkeepers at Torino, which, yeah, I love books on Torino, that one. Uh, I'll give it a good go, it just feels a little bit of a tenuous subject. Still, uh, still bought it as soon as you saw it, though. Yeah, I had to buy it, I'm, I'm a collector of Torino books. I'm very intrigued if the way there's going to be a chapter on Joe Hart, and um, if there's going to be any inf- new information on there, so I hope you uh, share that on the pod. I'll let you know. And then there was another one called uh, Toro di Amsterdam, which I think, I presume, is going to be about the UEFA Cup run in 91, 92. <laughs> Uh, it's going to be very awkward if not very strange if not and then uh, yeah just just lots of lots of Toro memorabilia just kind of yeah makes makes you realise how this city really is all about Torino we've been made to feel very very welcome Um, there's always I know we're not the only international Toro fans but people do um, people do react very warmly here to to, to overseas fans who take an interest in Toro and obviously uh, I lived here in the past as well I took the opportunity to go to one of my favourite Toro haunts which is a restaurant in the centre just off the centre of Turin run by a massive Torino and cinema fan a friend of mine called Simone who I hadn't seen in a long time and uh, yeah in true Italian hospitality he was completely booked on Sunday we hadn't made a reservation we just turned up and yeah, he literally invented two, two chairs for us and next was a was a big group of of Toro fans who booked it for their Sunday lunch. So we had had a good time with them. And then his restaurant is full of posters of I- and pictures of iconic Torino players. That that was a really nice thing to do as well. It's quite a nice, quite a nice moment with the uh, with the Toro club next to us as we went to leave. We'd already planned. I'd, I'd got some stickers made up for the for the Talking Toro podcast for this trip, and we'd already planned to sort of sort of give them to the give a couple to the, the table next to us, and they had the exact same idea. So we exchanged uh, Toro stickers, which was yeah, quite a nice moment. Very nice, spontaneous moment. And then, yeah, obviously we had a Talking Toro do yesterday. And then today, um, well, one little funny little story is um, they uh, talking to a couple of the guys last night about Toro memorabilia. There is, on the 13th of December, a kind of Italian equivalent of Sotheby's um, has a massive uh, sporting collection, which is going up for auction. Um, so there's several... Uh, match-worn Maradona shirts, um, match-worn Platini shirts, Marco Pantani's bike, and loads of Toro stuff. Um, so we took a little visit to to see a little bit of the collection of the auction today, which was fun. Very expensive. Um, I don't think um, would be too popular at home if uh, if a FedEx courier comes in a few weeks with a football shirts costing uh, four figures. But it it it. it, it it was never less good to see. And then today, before the match, we got to the stadium very early. We got to the area very early. But we, um, I hadn't been to Bar Suite for many years. And I think even when I went, it was completely packed. But we got to Bar Suite. It was, apart from my good friend Mesa, it was pretty quiet. It's almost like a, a, a museum, a, a Torino museum down there. We did a little walk around the Philadelphia. And uh, yeah, it's had a really kind of, Great pre-match build-up, the usual salsicha burger before we got into the stadium. Um, but that was a been a cracking weekend, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, very good. I think we we spoke it, we've spoken beforehand. And we'll get onto the game in a little bit, but when you come to Turin, it's not just about the football. Like there's so much to do and and see around the city that the football is almost like a bonus. And if we were to if we had have lost, then obviously that would have been a shame. But it just tops it off completely for the, for our last night to, to end with such a, a great Toro victory. Yeah, and this morning, as you probably heard, early in one of the audio clips, we had coffee at Bar Norman. Admittedly, Bar Norman isn't what it used to be um, in terms of 
it used to be kind of very old Piedmontese uh, cafe. It's changed hands a little bit, uh, but it, that was the bar where Torino were founded 117 years ago. So it's a bit of a rite of passage to go there. And yeah, no, there's been been lots of good stories. The only probably unfortunate thing is we didn't manage to give Alessandro Bongiorno his trophy. We we tried uh, to get hold of Torino FC. We tried to go to the HQ. We tried the Toro store to see if we could leave it there for a signing. Um, so the trophy currently sits um, in a flat opposite the Stadio Philadelphia. So it will get delivered to to Alessandro. In, in if you are if you are listening, Alessandro, please come and collect your trophy. It's uh, yeah. Uh, we're not sure if we'll be back this season, despite uh, the many calls for us to come back. So, um, but yeah, it was good, and I'm sure there'll be a few more stories that come up across the pod. But um, yeah, three 0 against Atalanta. I mean, um, we're obviously feeling very good now. I think certainly the best Torino performance of the season, one of the best matches I've been to certainly for a long time, um, and I can't remember. Too many better performances under Juric. There was uh, the Milan, which was probably slightly more epic. Epic last season. Um, Maybe the Fiorentina. The, Fiorentina the, Fiorentina Fiorentina the Fiorentina four nil. Um, Lazio, obviously, would be Lazio away last season. Um, but yeah, I think it was. It's hard to say where how good Torino were and how bad Atalanta yeah. were. Um, but yeah, I'll. As we kind of said in here, the, the starting lineup was actually we thought it'd be a surprise from Juric, but it wasn't, was there? Yeah, no. I, th- I thought potentially he might have thrown Genitus in there as he like likes to do sometimes in when in games where we don't expect it. But yeah, no, it's it's probably the the starting eleven we both would have picked in the in terms of realistic starting eleven, other than maybe Lazzaro for for Voivoda. Yeah, I mean, talking about how bad Atalanta were, I guess first, which is. Not really the story of the match, but when I said to you during the match, they found they were, I think they definitely bought a couple of hundred fans. Yeah. They were, um, you don't often hear the away fans in Olimpico because if you're in the Maratona, it's very noisy. The tannoy tends to be quite noisy. The stadium sound doesn't carry that well. Um, but even in terms of motion, they were very still, the Atalanta fans. We don't know if there was, there was certainly a banner for one of the, possibly one of, um, there's a tr- tribute to somebody. Possibly one of their ultras, um, but they were very subdued, and um, their team was just atrocious. Um, yeah, you've got an anecdote about half time, haven't you? Yeah, so um, as the second half was beginning, uh, Lewis Muriel was uh, was coming on, podgy Lewis Muriel, and uh, <laughs> we were suggesting who he might be coming on for. So I, I suggested he might be coming on for De Ketelare, at which point Peter <laughs> exclaimed, "Oh, is De Ketelare playing?" Um, which is potentially um, the most telling uh, statement for his first half performance. He must have probably only touched the ball like three or four times. Uh, he was playing, I mean, he's a, he's a winger by trade, so I suppose it was sort of a, a false nine. Uh, Gazetta had, I think it was Gazetta had predicted that uh, Atalanta might go that way with, with Skamakara injured, but they had Kubiners as, as the false nine. And yeah, I'll be honest, I think they probably could have played. <laughs> Could have played anyone up front and probably been more affected than uh, than poor Charles de Catalare. Yeah, I think when you've come from um, a midweek European game, it is a bit of a cliche. But the Thursday to Sunday, this team to, to trouble teams, especially ones maybe with a smaller squad. Personally, I think we might be seeing the end of kind of the Gasparini era. 
Um, I got a bit of a vibe of the last season at Ventura at Torino a little bit as well. Um, but they just seem to have a little bit less exciting talent. Um, not having a focal point. Um, I mean, it was, you know, the game a little bit decided by Torino having a focal point and yeah. Atalanta not and the player in question left had played for Atalanta this season, where, which I, had, I had, hadn't actually realised. But yeah, obviously Zapata had a very successful time at Atalanta. But I just felt they were low energy from the beginning. They came into the game maybe just to have a very easy first half an hour, ease into it, perhaps nick a goal and sit back. But they weren't interested in having a in in a high press um, a, a, in a high press, a particularly fast paced game. Um, I don't remember seeing Atalanta being that poor for a long time. They maybe had a ten minute spell just just after the well, just before the the half time break where. You felt they were maybe coming to the game. There was an opportunity to make a mistake, but a bit of sloppy play by Torino, and uh, there was a save. I'm not sure who, who had the strike, but Vanya made a, a very good save. And then, yeah, we, we spoke at half time, and, and we sort of suggested that if the next sort of 10, 15 minutes was going to be crucial, and, and thankfully Torre got got the penalty and, and the second goal. And, and it, as a pessimistic Torre fan, I was always a little bit worried, but. There wasn't really anything on the pitch to to make you feel that it was one of those games where so I'm weirdly probably less nervous watching Toru in the stadium than I'm on TV because you can sort of maybe see the bigger picture, maybe see things happen ha- before they sort of happen, sort of see sort of trends that happen on the pitch. Um, I never really got fully sort of concerned. Uh, I always thought if there was going to be a third god, it, it was going to go to Toru, and, and obviously it did. Yeah, I didn't say it to you, but I. Fancied us for three 0 and I wasn't particularly nervous in the last five ten minutes. Um, obviously, when you have a two goal caution anyway, there's always even if they score one, you've, that's when you start getting nervous. But yeah, I've, no, I've seen Toro drop a penalty with a two goal leads in, uh, in injury time, mate. So. We have, we have. Um, yeah, and a few funny moments was when the uh, fourth official put up five <laughs> minutes of uh, added on time and. The second half and the crowd booed, and then the, the, in a comical fashion, it flicked from five to four, and they decided it was four minutes. And when they still booed, um, but yeah, that was very interesting being in the stadium. I'd say the the crowd was probably a typical Toro crowd for that. I mean, it was cold; it was Monday evening, but it did it did feel very close to kick off. Um, uh, certainly the Maratona the Maratona has always been good voice and not in a negative voice it was I know a lot of the from being here we've appreciated a lot of the ultra groups are not present at the moment there's a lot of a little bit of infighting a, a, a little a little bit of a, uh, yeah some kind of complicated situations which aren't untypical of organised support groups in Italy um, but I felt yeah the crowd it was quite a youthful crowd in the Maratona um, and pretty yeah, pretty supportive of the team. And way interesting before the game, there was a which player was there a big cheer for? Do you remember? <laughs> uh, before the game, uh... was Luca Gemello got a. Oh yeah, well Luca Gemello got a chance as well. Yeah. He got not only did he get a big yeah. yeah. So obviously he was in the substitutes, and the substitutes sort of don't get the the same sort of uh, when the when the announcer says the first name doesn't really get the same uh, appreciation as the, as the starters with the, getting their surname uh, shouted back at them. But yeah, Gemello got his own chance. Uh, I'm not sure if that was uh, maybe I don't think it was an anti-Vanya thing I think it was maybe more just sort of uh, Jamelo's a, a young uh, Toro youth product and, and made a big mistake and just sort of suggesting that they were still with him after after his mistake so I think that was quite a nice moment and yeah it wasn't like Vanya was booed or anything it wasn't like they were uh, unhappy at the decision for him to come back into the team 
Yeah, I mean, you should tell it to the guys who were standing next to me who nobody could do anything right. But um, but anyway, yeah, should we, should we... Well, the other funny thing was the player who I think we may both choose as man of the match uh, didn't actually appear on the scoreboard before the match because the electricity <laughs> went or something. So, um, but anyway, should we tell the story of the match through the Pagelli? Yeah. So, yeah, in terms of the Pagelli, I think it's probably... We both came out the same and said you get a very different appreciation for the match and it'd be quite interesting. Um, I've purposely not looked at any Pagelli since uh, we travelled back from the stadium so I didn't really want to be influenced. Um, but you certainly get, for certain players, you certainly get a bit more of a bigger picture appreciation um, and certainly for the off-the-ball stuff as well. But anyway, I'll go start in the obvious place. Vanya Milinkovic-Savic came back into the team. I thought it was one of his best games in the Torino shirt. Yeah, no, as definitely. he did last week. <laughs> yeah, he's obviously t- he's, he's continued that form from last week, and now he's probably uh, Torino's most informed player. But no, I thought it was very good. He had one one excellent save in the first half. Uh, yeah, love to see, see the save back that he made as well from a long distance shot where he dived right. It looked like it was going in from from our angle, and he dived to his right and turned it around the post. So yeah, and then there was another. No save, I think, with his legs to, towards the end of the second half. Um, but yeah, no, very good uh, performance from Vanya. Uh, it'd be a seven for me. Yeah, seven for me. There was also um, there was there was some slice goal kicks. Yeah. Um, there was one goal kick where he kind of fell over and ended up doing a forward roll, which was quite funny. Um, and then he is quite a. He's not always a happy soul, is he? But he did, when Zapata scored, he came yeah. right out. It was, it was Zapata scored the third goal, he did come out right yeah. out and join the celebrations. Um, but yeah, I think Vanya, I don't remember. His handling was very good as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't remember having too many better games, really. I think at a point that I made during the game as well, I feel like because there is this idea, potentially uh, people might think that he's better with his feet than he actually is in the reality of it. But because there is this narrative that he is very good uh, as a ball playing a goalkeeper and very able technically I feel like teams don't tend to sort of close him down and press as they would have maybe a, a, maybe more sort of naive goalkeeper or somebody maybe not as confident with their feet uh, sort of like Jumado uh, last week and maybe that's also telling of, of Atalanta's mindset going into this game Seven for Vanya um, let's go into the centre halves and start with Ricardo Rodriguez <sighs> I've, I, don't, I mean, there weren't many players who played poorly. Um, I wouldn't say Rodriguez played poorly, but I don't think he did anything exceptional uh, to warrant anything anything higher than a six. No, I thought his. Um, I don't think he's been as good this last month. He's. Um, I think he's when he has his decline, it's going to be pretty severe, and I'm. I feel the decline is not far away. Um, he is. He's always been slow. Um, and it was a little bit kind of agriculture at times. That his distribution was was brilliant, um, but his positional play is is good and it has to be good because he doesn't have the pace. Um, but yeah, I think he was he was a six for me as well. Um, so Alessandro Bongiorno. Well, I, I, I felt like I jinxed uh, Bongiorno because I, I've done a, a, t- a total one eighty on uh, on Alessandro. He. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's. When I saw him in last year, in the last time I went to a game in April, he was sort of at fault for the penalty that, that Roma went on to score. 
Um, he gave the ball away and that, and that then led to a penalty incident. Uh, first half, he, he had a couple of instances where I thought he could have um, sort of poor clearances, poor positional play, could have led to Atalanta chances. Uh, but then the second half, he was absolutely sensational, won the penalty, literally didn't put foot, foot wrong. Got a yellow card just on a car time, quite unluckily, I thought. Um, because there was a foul already before that before that challenge, and yeah, no, quite <laughs> quite a high score for me. Yeah, it was, I mean, he was, he was very proactive, especially in the second half. Um, his anticipations uh, were very very good. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I think in the first half it was at times a, a, a little bit clumsy. Um, but he just kind of grew, grew into the game. He won the penalty. I haven't seen back um, the incident. I don't know if you've seen it back, but uh, no. I presume it was a shirt pull or something. Yeah. Was it? Um, and he was very adamant um, in the stadium that or on the pitch that that it was a penalty. And yeah, after last week, me saying that <laughs> Torino didn't get any VAR decisions. Well, I've been to two games this season. Caramel's goal against Udinese was um, given to us on VAR and uh, the penalty was given on VAR as well so maybe I need to uh, remind myself of that, of that sometimes but yeah but did you give me right? it's a no, 7 for so, me yeah I'll, I'll go for a 6.5 actually from Madrona yeah I think it's a 7 for me and I think the whole there's narrative about Atalanta was a team he nearly joined as well so no, I thought he was very good um, the other player in the back three would be Adrian Tameze uh, I thought Tameze has he's He's done very well, sort of as a as a makeshift uh, right centre back this season. It's probably uh, one of his worst games, I thought, especially again first half. Just looked a little bit slow, and maybe not at the at the right sort of tempo for the game. Gave the ball away, a little bit sloppy in possession. Again, grew into the game second half. I don't think he was he had any, any mistakes, and and sort of yeah, grew into the game as, as a lot of the Torrey players who started a bit slowly did. Um, but yeah, no, nothing, nothing sort of, sort of out of the ordinary for for Tevez, So yeah, go for a six. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. The you know, other thing would say that Tevez a few times in the first half um, made made mistakes um, in possession. And what I found as Torino grew in confidence, especially at two 0 we play very safe football in the Europe sometimes, and we the amount of times when we're not brave enough. To make a forward pass, we go backwards, we get closed down, we move the ball around, and then we get back into that position where we could have made the forward pass 30 seconds later. But I felt at 2-0, we were actually starting to... That confidence was coming to to be a bit more instinctive, to be a bit more positive. And I think Tamese in the first half was just a little bit of a victim of us overplaying it um, rather than getting it forward. But yeah, I agree with six, and I think... We're a bit like Rodriguez who wasn't tested too much by Atalanta as well. But uh, I think I think confidence is really a main the the main word really to use when describing this story team. Um, you see after the the Golden Bologna how quickly this team can lose confidence. Um, but uh, yeah, after they got that second goal, things seemed to click a little bit more, and, and they looked like yeah, they looked like if they wanted to, they probably could have scored three or four. Um, never played probably had his best match in a Torino shirt. Raul, as they call him, instead. Raul Bellanova. Uh, yeah, I mean, I like Bellanova. I, I did slag off his uh, technical ability in terms of crossing. The fact he still hasn't got an assist so far this season probably proves that I might have been right. But yeah, he just he just never stops. He's constantly in motion, and yeah, I think he, he's one of his best games. Definitely, probably his best game in the Zara shirt. Yeah, I think he was 
as I said before, in past pods, he has um, he has a tendency to make two or three very good runs a, a game without them having an end product. But I felt today he, he didn't fade in and out of the game. He was always there. He was always again, even when he didn't get the ball, he was always an out ball. Um, and quite a few, he didn't fade in the game either. So it's quite a few times, even late in the game, he was getting to the byline. Um, he would come across the pitch quite a few times to bring the ball. Uh, his link up with Zapata was pretty good. His final ball, yeah, you'd like to see it being a bit better. You'd like to see him get his head up, he, be a he, bit more composed. He had an opportunity as well uh, to have a shot on target, and yeah, I don't, we don't like swearing this, but the podcast this podcast match but uh, yeah he did shit himself um, it was, he yeah, did look absolutely terrified it was, was a, it was a, a, a single single yeah. shot I, I would describe it as um, but yeah Bellanova was very good I felt a bit sorry for him because he got subbed off from five minutes ago and he came under the Maratona and we started clapping the Maratona and I th- the Maratona burst into song which was for Alessandro <laughs> Bongiorno and I think Bellanova thought it was going to be for him <laughs> and it literally yeah, you just see him uh, he was he was a bit kind of um, yeah he, he was a bit forlorn um, but yeah it's a seven for me for Bellinari yeah 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 don't think he gets the score but yeah seven for me as well yeah on the other side I'm not sure he's getting a seven but Mergen <laughs> Voivoda might be a four point seven yeah, um, yeah. Voivoda I think he's defensively um, more sort of in a, in a game against one of the bigger sides, I think it's a defensive option. You'd probably always back Volvo over Lazaro. Uh, and I don't think defensively he was very bad, but again, that's also caveated by the fact that how poor Athelons were uh, in their attacking play. He just sort of, on a number of occasions, his, his technical ability let him down and giving the ball away under no pressure and uh, making strange sort of technical choices in, in, in when in possession and he, he also did grow into the game in fairness to him um, but yeah just as a reflective of sort of how poor he was in comparison to his teammates I think it would be 5.5 well um, I mean it's a high rate for me I think at half time you said me who's, who's been the worst player and said Voivod and you gave me a look to say yeah obvious <laughs> Um but I actually thought the last 20 minutes, half an hour, he was, he was very good, actually. Um, but I don't have a single memory of Voivoda being in the final third or making an overlap. Um, and if he had an out ball like Bellanova is on the other side. Um, but he is clearly given... His, his strength is more def- more being a defensive player. And, you know, maybe you can't have, in Urich's football anyway, two, two wing-backs... Um, being all out attacks, so he tries to create an overload on one side. But yeah, Voivo, there was a lot of kind of frustrating stuff, especially like there was a few no look passes, there was a few kind of um, almost being too clever for his own good sometimes. Um, he, he, I, I didn't, um, I don't think Peter's seen this, but he, he did have a, a no look assist uh, in the recent international break for Kosovo, uh, and I feel that might have gone to his head. Um, but so yeah, I think he, he almost maybe. He's a bit of a strange character, I think, because um, there were rumours that he was a little bit unhappy that Toro hadn't uh, extended his contract and that he was looking for a move away because he wasn't feeling appreciated. And I mean, this is a rotation rotation player for a team in, in mid-table in Serie. I think might maybe have a over self uh, over sort of expectation of his own ability and, and what the the club would expect for him. It's a six for me for Moivo. So next player got booked after four minutes, which never ideal. Um, Carol Linetti 
Yeah, I thought he he was outstanding tonight. Yeah, agree. Um, it's always yeah always a worry when when somebody gets such an early booking. I think he actually got the booking. I think it might have even been a Bongiorno to make a mistake, uh, which like left space and, and he sort of had no option but to bring the player down. Um, and yeah, always always a concern. But the Rillinetti is such, such an experienced player, not only in in Italian football but just in, in general and. Had that been a, a genetics, he might have been a little bit concerned that he could have got an, another yellow card quite quickly afterwards. But Lunetti just managed the game so so intelligently after that. He just again relied on his position rather than diving into tackles. And yeah, I think, um, yeah, go for a seven for, for Lunetti. Yeah, seven and a half for me. I thought tactically very intelligent. I don't think he's ever looked so fit. Yeah. Um, maybe a consequence of, of effectively being a first choice. Um, which is straight, you know, not something we expected when we've got Illich, Ricci and, and, and Tamese. Um, yeah, he didn't, he managed the yellow card very well, but he was everywhere. He was filling in gaps. Um, what I really liked as well is he was breaking forward quite a yeah. lot. Um, just always seemed to be in the right position. Uh, a little bit in the first half, he was the player who was getting on the ball the most, which is not always what you want um, in the sense that you know, a more cultured player like Illich. Um But yeah, I thought, thought Lenetti was very good. Not quite my man of the match, but uh, arguably a close second. Um, next one would be the aforementioned Ivan Illich. Yeah, I feel like Illich, uh, this game made me sort of encapsulated his, his entire career. He has moments of brilliance and he has moments where he goes missing a little bit and you sort of wonder what he offers to that team. But the, the the first goal obviously Vlasic gets the assist but it's it's Illich's pass that sort of breaks creates a space it looks like Voivoda almost sends him down uh, an empty lane with nowhere to go and uh, it looks like Illich's his only option is, is to pass back to the keeper or back to the back three but he, he finds a pass to Vlasic Vlasic then finds a cross goal and Zapata scores so um, I thought even, obviously Vlasic gets the assist but a lot of the credit should go to Illich for that um, he was Sometimes sloppy in possession, his delivery from set pieces was very poor. Um, and yeah, I feel like he's he's a player I feel potentially plays better when Richie isn't in the team because maybe some of that creativity is um, maybe more on his shoulders and he, he thrives with that. But like you say, Lametti was sort of given more responsibility to, to build the play up, which you'd think would be Illich's bread and butter. So yeah, I'll go for a 6.5. I think Illich is the hardest player to judge in this match, actually. I think there were some very good things. There was a, a few darting runs. I just feel he needs to be a bit braver. And He was one of the players at 2-0. He thought, actually, his passing's getting a bit crisper. He's getting his head up. He's yeah. looking around. Um, he has a lovely left foot. There were times as well he was he was getting in that kind of final third on the left-hand side where because Voivoda doesn't push up. Um, he had a free kick, which was... Fairly comfortably saved. We did. This is maybe something we need to research. But ice turned around. And when's the last time we scored a direct free kick? And I think the clear one we can remember is Adam Leitch in the derby. I have visions of Iago Falke scoring from a direct free kick. Um, but it's yeah. Someone might point out we've done done it this season. But <laughs> I don't think we have. But it's been a, been a long time. Uh, but yeah, I think six and a half is fair enough for for me. Nikola Vlasic, who. Has gone from being 
Well, you, an enigma to exceptional. You mocked me for having my uh, two signed uh, Nikola Vlasic autographed cards on my uh, on my desk in my in my home office, but he uh, he earned those place that place on that desk tonight. He was incredible, to be honest. I don't think uh, probably his best performance in a Torrey shirt without without getting a goal, but two assists. Um, I, 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 like a, a, before before we started the Pajeli, we we sort of explains the way that when you watch a game in a stadium you see things that you just don't see on TV and and I actually think this this role in the 3 5 because he wasn't really playing as almost like a number 10 he, he was in the sort of midfield it wasn't midfield genuine midfield three where he was sort of dropping deep to win the ball back and and intercepts and then breaking forward but very rarely gave possession was always an option um, and and yeah a number of times he was sort of running in possession and, and just sort of shrugging off managers I mean, Atalanta were very, very poor. Um, whether that then suited him, that there wasn't really the intensity that you might get from from maybe a, a better team or opposition performance. But yeah, Vlasic was was very good. Deserved a goal. Didn't really. Uh, there were a couple of times where he, he sort of got the ball and you thought he might unleash a shot like he did against Bologna, which was so uh, so cruelly ruled out for our side. But uh, yeah, uh, an eight for me. Yeah, he's generally been very good since his change of position. And even when he's not been very good, he's been more effective. Um, yeah, I think from the big, very beginning, he was, he was outstanding. He was, winning, like I said, doggish, winning balls back. Um, he, he doesn't have the pace to play out wide, and he's not good enough to play up front, and he's not a fantasister. But in this position where he's got two guys ahead of him, and then a, a kind of... Two guys behind him. Well, two guys behind him yeah. and, and two guys ahead of him as well. Yeah. Uh, I think he finds the spaces really well. He's got enough skill. He's got a very low sense of gravity. He likes to get his head down and run with it. Quite a few times he was just one tackle away or one little yeah. bit of fortune away from liberating himself to get a shot away, which would have been a very good goal. Um, yeah, he was just... I mean, he was still... He, he, with Karim actually created the third goal... Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was kind of running to the end. I agree. Eight out of ten, man of the match. I think. I think his energy is probably his, his greatest strength. He isn't, like, say, he isn't the quickest. He isn't most skillful. But yeah, he, he can run for ninety minutes at a big intensity. There was a lot of players towards the end of the game were tiring visibly. You could see it in their performances by because obviously because we were dominating possession. There was a lot of sort of energy being exerted. But Vlasic, uh, even at the end of the game, I don't think. At no stage did you really think, oh, he looks tired and needs to be, needs to come off. Him and Balanova are probably the only two players, maybe Linetti as well, the, the three players who sort of you could rely on on lasting um, their quality sort of maintained throughout the game in, in an attacking sense as well. All right, uh, Tony Sadabri, who I don't think played in a too much of a dissimilar to position to Vlasic in some ways. There, he was very deep for the first half an hour. Um, it was almost. Like we were playing not three five two but uh, three four two one with Sadat Bruno Balasic in support of uh, Duvan Zapata. But yeah, Sanabria, over to you. Um, this might be a little bit controversial because I think he did. Um, he worked very hard for the team, um, but I thought his performance uh, obviously scored a penalty, a very a very good penalty. Um, Quite conflict struck, sort of almost waited for the keeper to move it and then put it in the opposite corner. Um, yeah, I didn't think it was his greatest game. Um, obviously, Zapata maybe had to play a little bit second fiddle to Zapata. Zapata was the main 
the main focal point up front and then Sanabria almost had to live off his scraps and, and sort of like say drop deep and sort of help with winning the ball back in midfield. Um, I, I don't know, I feel like he, he tied quite visibly before he even came off, about 10 minutes before he came off. There was two occasions where literally simple five-yard balls he, he failed to make and um, just, yeah, just looked absolutely shattered and I think Juric probably should have made that change a little bit sooner. It was, for me, crying out for Caramo to come on uh, and, and utilise that added fresh legs, added pace um, to try and get that that third goal, which we finally got to, to just sort of see off the game. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go for a six for Sanabria. That might be a little bit harsh given the, the effort and work rate he put in, but uh, I didn't think he, he wasn't really a threat. You didn't really see... I, I couldn't see him score. He could have been there all night and not scored from open play, in my opinion. Yeah, I think six and a half for me because I think the work the work rate was very good and the penalty. Um, so I'm led to believe that Zapata is the designated penalty taker, um, and I was a little worried about Zapata taking the penalty because I'm guessing Musso knows him very well and Zapata was very proactive at getting the ball. I thought, um, but then when Stabria what he did very well was he took his time. Uh, so even when the ref blew the whistle, he actually took a step back. Um, and he's been a pretty good penalty taker. Um, so, yeah, I think that was a key moment of the game. Um, you're right, but I just think when you've got Duvan Zapata up front, he is he's going to kind of hog the penalty area. Um, and actually, you just yeah, you want players who are going to play off him and, and, and run sometimes run beyond him as well, which Tony Stabber is not necessarily that player um, but yeah I thought, I thought he did pretty well um, so it's a eight six and a half if... I thought just um, yeah just one other thing with with Sanabria um, and, the, and the penalty incident itself is sometimes more recently you almost see people be the dummy penalty taker to almost take the um, sort of pressure off the person who really actually going to take the penalty I'm not sure whether Zapata had already sort of planned that and that's why he pretended like he was going to look, uh, go and get the ball um, but potentially even sort of shows the mindset of Atalanta. Like there was nobody around them. Like there literally was a, there was a there was a moment where it was, it was uh, Zapata and Sanabria were the only two players both at the ball. There was no de- like defenders in to, trying to sort of put off or, or put that off. But I think um, trying to try and put the taker off whoever it was going to be. And I think maybe that yeah. I think as soon as that penalty awarded, I think Atalanta knew that it wasn't going to be their day. Last uh, of the Pagelli for the starters, anyway, Duvan Zapata. Um, you really fancied him for a goal. The, there were a few places in town that have had Duvan Zapata shirts up. Um, yeah, I'll let you, let you talk through it, but two goals, third, third, uh, second and third of, uh, for Toro. I think he's been a little bit unlucky with his, his previous Toro appearances. He's only scored the one goal before tonight against Roma. Um, but he, you always fancied him for a goal. Uh, in games where he played very well uh, Bologna was probably one of his worst games I think it was another game where he wasn't great might have been the Barona game um, but even early on today before he even scored the first goal you could just tell he was up for it like, I'm not sure whether it's a personal issue with Gasparini and that might be what led to his departure but you could just see that he sort of knew in those one-on-one duels against some of the defenders there was only really going to be one winner it was almost like Almost like when boxers, you, you've you sparred with somebody before and you know that you're going to knock them out. That's that's almost what you felt like was going to happen with the up against that, that back three, which which changed sort of 
I'm not sure whether Jim City got injured or, or, or whether it it was a tactical decision to take him off so early from Gasparini, but um yeah, it was it was almost like watching um a first team player play against the Primavera. Um sort of it did he just dominated the, the, the back three for, for Atalanta and um yeah, took both of his goals very well. Maybe a slight bit fortunate with the second goal, but uh, yeah, the touch and finish for for the first goal is maybe only a goal that Zapata would score in this team. Just somebody who knows that he's straight, like just such a physically strong man who probably back himself against anybody in a in a battle of strength. That he felt like he not didn't have to take the the, the finish first time. He was able to take a touch, hold the defender off, and then and then swing with the left boot. So yeah, they're very good performance. Um, Obviously gave gave Vlasic an eight and he's our man of a man of match. So I think that that's, that means it's a seven point five for Duvan. Yeah, I, I don't think Zuvan Zu, uh, <laughs> was perfect tonight. I think there were he was in the game a lot. He had a lot of touches. Um, he helped out a lot defensively. Um, Belotti was very good at this as well of like winning fouls when we were leading and we've not had. Um, it's not something Sanabria is particularly good at. Um, so to have that kind of physical presence makes a big difference, um, but he, he, I mean, he completely bullied them. He was, uh, he does have a turn of speed as well, which is uh, was partly deceptive sometimes. And then it's quite weird; it can come and go. His, his, sometimes he can look where he's like in Bologna. It was like he had cement in his boots, and then and then tonight. But yeah, I think he just needs that. But kind of bit of space to run into as well. He's not necessarily quick over two or three yards, but if he can get his stride going. Um, but yeah, he kind of stretched them, he tormented them, he took his first goal very well. With 10 minutes to go, he looked like he was desperate to come off, and I think it was disappointed when Sanabria went off. Um, and yeah, there was a very nice moment, I don't know if you saw this, when he scored the third goal, he... he um, he did end up doing a bit of a celebration, but then he pointed to Juric and um, Juric pointed back. And at the end, I've said I've not tried not to read the Pagelli after the game, but as Zapata said, I uh, really want to do that for Juric and repay all the love he's given me since I've come here. So, uh, which going back to Gasparini, there's, there's probably there's probably a little subliminal message in there. Um, so three subs came on. Um, don't know what you want to say. Coffee Gigi came, made his seasonal debut, and then we had yeah. And just just quickly on Coffee Gigi, he got a. Uh, I, I think we can describe it. Maybe the circumstances dictated it. But obviously, we were, we were two 0 up. I think at the point that Gigi came on, um, he got what I would describe as a, a rapturous reception. Uh, <laughs> I think I, I said to Peter that nothing describes the, the Toro mediocrity more than Kofi Gigi getting uh, a, a great reception like that and that's nothing against Kofi Gigi um, but yeah he, he obviously a very solid, steady player doing a very good job for Toro but yeah had you <laughs> had you maybe just like float, didn't had gone never gone to a football match in your life and heard that reception for a player coming, coming on the pitch you would have thought that it was their star player um, but yeah, I think that was maybe more of an appreciation. Obviously, it's his, his first game since injury, and and happy to get him back, and definitely opens up some sort of tactical decisions for for Juric, whether that's bringing Tomasi back into the midfield. Obviously, Richie, which we'll get on to, also came, came on the pitch as well. Yeah, I mean, Richie Carabo came on. I think the other thing to say is Radonjic, as we alluded to in the little intro, um, it's fallen out again with Juric. 
strong talk he's going to leave. Den Bissek's situation is um, not an easy one for, for anyone. Um, but I don't think we're going to see really see Den Bissek unless there's um, probably unless there's some kind of injury crisis. I think potentially it might be um, an away game would be something which might be considered a bit, a little bit strongly. Maybe we've got to say we, we, we don't know. We there, don't have a reaction from the Torres yeah, fans. There've been a few banners um, outside the stadium against Sec, but um, there wasn't really much of a reaction to when his name was called out. And then, so I think Jan Caramo will be Pietro Pellegri. I'm not sure why he wasn't in the squad. I presume he's a knock. Um, but Jan Caramo is probably someone who may get minutes to say salvages Torino career, but to yeah, well, yeah, well, very, very possibly it's, it's a big opportunity for him to. I don't think Sanabria is going to play every game. Um, maybe not just patter, but it's, it's an opportunity for him to, to get some more minutes. And I don't think Caramel played long enough to sort of warrant a rating in the Bajelli, but he he has a little bit of, of quality and a little bit of skill which some of the players in the forward line just don't possess. And there's a couple of sort of flicks and back heels and sort of um, sort of opportunity where he won the ball and sort of tried to pass it, but managed then sort of receive his own pass because uh, because of the space in front of him. And, I think yeah. Given, yeah, I, I would like to see him. We've got a couple of games coming up over the Christmas period uh, in quick succession. It would be nice to see him get a, a, a maybe a start and, and see what he can do. Um, I, I think that I, I think we might have mentioned on the pod before. I think the the, the Zapata Caramo dynamic would be would be quite interesting. Like you say, um, he would be somebody who, who could run in behind and utilize that space that the Zapata would would bring with his sort of um, sort of physicality. All right, well, that was Torino Atalanta. So it's getting late here. Um, anything else, Rob, you want to mention from the weekend? No, just been a, a very good weekend. Uh, Peter's been a very uh, hospitable uh, sort of, I would say host, but I mean, we, neither of us live in Turin, and, but obviously Peter has uh, had, had three years living here and, and sort of knew some places to go. He sort of boarded my uh, horizons in, in sort of food have been a little bit more adventurous than I usually am when I come to Italy, and yet I can uh, I can go back home and say that I've I've eaten <laughs> I've eaten wild boar and I've eaten uh, what else I've eaten? You eat lots of stuff. Well, yeah, you've 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 had agnolotti, you've had wild boar, you've drank San Simone, you've had some nice white wine. Um, you, you're a fan of Fali Nasi already. Veal. You've had, some, you've had veal, a bit yeah. of veal. Um, so yeah. I did. I did draw the line at horse. Yeah. But, uh, next. Yeah, next. Veal, no, never horse. Never horse. Next but, trip. Uh, but yeah, no. Uh, yeah, no. But it was a very good trip, and yeah, obviously topped off with, with a sorry victory. Which again, I, I've said before in the pod. I think I'm a little bit. This might sound a little bit too serious <laughs> for this podcast, but sometimes I feel like. There's sort of th- certain things and um, things happen for a reason, and, and just certain things that you can't explain. There's, there's no actual logic to them. It's just like just universe coming together, and, and certain things stars align, and whatever you want to call it. But obviously, the first ever Torre game I, I came to see on my own, first ever Torre victory I ever saw uh, was Torre Atalanta, and I stayed in the Hotel Diplomatic, which is where we are today. So. Maybe somebody out there is uh, somebody up there is is looking out for us. There we go. Well, cracking win. I was going to um, talk a little bit about a future project, but I'm a little tired, so I'll save that for pod sixty three. But yeah, there may be a, a little bit of 
news in next week's pod about a possible launch for next year. Um, but we'll save that. Um, may know a little bit more about it. Uh, but I basically promised Rob something at breakfast this morning that uh, now I've got to try and back up. So, um, But yeah, we'll save that for pod 63. This has been a very different pod. Um, we've been in Turin. We're not on Zoom doing this pod. And above all, Torino managed to play confidently um, and competently and not mess it up. Um, it's been a great trip. Toro 3, Atalanta nil. We'll be back next week. Forza Toro. Forza Toro.